0: Welcome to the good, the bad, and the sequel Q&A. My name's Doug. So the next sequel that we're going to be covering is Jurassic World. This one should be a lot of fun. Great cast, great special effects. And dinosaurs. Who doesn't love dinosaurs? And for it, I chatted with actor James Dumont. Man, James is one of those guys that's going to go on the all-time list on the Mount Rushmore of interviews. The guy just has so many different parts of his life that are just truly amazing like you know his first acting gig which kind of like it was an accidental acting gig he was in Blues Brothers he was young I don't want to ruin the story because he tells it so much better so I'll let him do that and then growing up in Chicago you know in that scene at the time there were so many uh, up-and-coming actors John Cusack you know he goes through the long list of all the people that he was going out for roles against and He auditioned for the movie Class and it ended up being Rob Lowe, Andrew McCarthy, but he still got a part in the movie that really kickstarted his, he already had the passion to, to act, but that really fueled it. Then he was doing theater. Then he got back into acting. You look at his credits; he has 150 credits. So many things that he's been on that you've seen him. Most recently, Candy Cane Lane. He plays Donald, the new Eddie Murphy Christmas movie on Amazon Prime. But most people know him as Chad on The Righteous Gemstones. And what's really neat, and I think this is really cool because you don't really do this when you when I prep for these interviews, I watch you know a few things the actors are in, but the one thing that was really neat. Was the fact that his son is on the show? His son, Kelton, plays Pontius Gemstone. So he's Danny McBride's son on the show, which is really cool. He has a really cool Danny McBride story that he talks about. Then we also also talked about like different aspects of acting that you really don't think about. You know, not just his credits. Like the one thing, especially in this post-COVID world, is self-taping. And that's something he was doing before COVID hit. So he kind of had a leg up on it. So he teaches you know, actors how to self-tape. Because you don't know what to do in some cases. You know, you think, hey, let's just read a line. But he has uh he has it down to a science that. But the guy works a lot so he's doing something right. So uh do me a favor if you're new here please subscribe follow us on all social media at sequels only and uh YouTube. If you go on YouTube, you could watch the unedited video of this. Why not? You know? <laughs> and you could subscribe there and uh, that helps us out and uh, without further ado. Here is actor James Dumont. <laughs> So James, I always like to find out like the beginning of the stories. So I know you mentioned just when we were just like shooting the shit before I press record, like you uh, were in New York doing 200 plays. Are you from the East Coast? Or are you from out West? Uh, yeah, I'm
1: originally from Chicago, but my parents were divorced. So I spent between my, most of my youth was between Chicago and New York. So two great cities. Oh my God, cities. that's
0: Perfect. Yeah. It's a perfect, it's a perfect. Are you more Chicago sport? Are you Cubs or Yankees? Oh yeah. Cubs. Yeah. I was raised on the Cubs
1: and that's the thing with, you know, but but, I mean, Yankees, man, I mean, you know, my, 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 you know, my grandfather was born in Brooklyn. So it's like, you know, it's like, so there's, so, you know, there is that kind of like, uh, but I mean, I think when you, it's like when you're a kid, it's like your fan with the team that you really kind of grew up on, that's your team. So I grew up on the the bears and I grew up on the Chicago Cubs but I mean, you know, who doesn't? Who doesn't like you know? Who doesn't like the Yankees, man? I mean, I worked for I worked for Mickey I Mantle am, for a little while, so that was kind of amazing. So yeah, there's just, I you know, God. so I got two great cities that that are that are very different, but there there's something really fun about you know growing up in both.
0: You know, I'm
1: a city kid. There's
0: no two ways that's about awesome. that. Awesome, Oh, dude, yeah. that's I'm in Jersey. I I went to the city like Knicks games, Yankee games, like yeah. wherever we would go. And like, where in Jersey? Where are you at? But uh, I'm in now. I'm in. Uh, I'm in like philadelphia new jersey it's a lot gotcha. cheaper out west so we're like right okay no, no like my you got it it, it broke my heart my manhattan. daughter started oh i know but i'm, I'm like closer yeah. to manhattan than i am to philly driving which is wild there you go but my daughter started yeah. basketball and they gave her a sixers jersey at the end of basketball it's, it's like, very mm, disappointing okay yeah i was I'm like, like uh, you're wearing a nerd i Knick wore my shirt. Knicks, it's like nixon I, yeah, I, I know i think
1: you should be showing up in that all the time it's like yeah the dads and i've been talking and. <laughs> We're closer to New York than we are Philadelphia. Yeah. So y'all need to get your shit together, you
0: know. <laughs> I wish, man. It's all Eagles and all that stuff out here, man. Oh, but yeah. but, well,
1: but uh, Eagles are Eagles so- are hot shit right now. There's there's lots to talk about oh, the Eagles yeah. right now. I mean, kind of digging them, yeah. you know. I like when teams really yeah. kind of just arrive. I mean, I live in New Orleans. This is my home right now.
0: Oh, that's awesome. The but they're there. Man. The was there just, <laughs> when they heartache. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But it's just, you know, when they won, it was amazing. Like right after, you know, like we just, Katrina, everybody's hurting. And like the city. Were you there? You've know? you been there for a while? No, no. I've been, I've been, I wasn't there for that, but it was like, but I was here, I was here for the championship stuff. So that was kind of fun, you know? Oh, cool. I wasn't living here at the time. I moved here in, uh, 2020 2018, somewhere like there. Somewhere like there. Nice. Yeah. I've been here eight years. So it's a good spot to be. So that's cool. Yeah, no, it's good. So- it's, I'm three hours. I'm three hours from New York. I'm three hours from LA. I'm one hour from the yeah. so I can hit, sure. I can hit all, I can hit three markets. I can get to LA quicker than somebody in San Diego. So uh, that's the <laughs> yeah, fun part. that is true. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like somebody lives in San Diego is like, I can literally, there's eight direct flights. I can get to San Diego before you can. <laughs> I can get to LA yeah. before you can from San Diego Yeah,
0: and Bay area, same Oh, Which is
1: wild. It's like,
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's that's smart, man. So where where did it begin? Was it you obviously you do your schooling in Chicago? Is that where Yeah, I was I was born and raised on the north side of Chicago. Yeah, and my and my
1: um I got I got really my mom was you know really felt that I was kind of a ham and good looking and so she submitted my baby pictures to the the Gerber the Gerber food bottles at a contest. And so I got picked. I was on the Gerber bottle, you know, back in the day. I won't say what year it was. It oh was my a long God, time that's ago. awesome. So I was one of the kid, the faces on the Gerber bottle, you know, baby uh, thing. So um, that was my first kind of like foray into the biz. And then as a kid, <laughs> you know, Sesame Street was like on the air, you know, and I was like, this is the cool, like there's kids in this box and they're doing stuff and there's these animals and they're in in a city you know and I'm I'm like I want to do that like how do I go from being the kid watching having cereal and being like I want to do what these kids are doing you know they're they're like you know sunny they you know, like they're hanging around with a big old you know big yellow bird and I was like this like this is got to be cool so it's like I had that kind of like you know early on I just I wanted it you know and um and then even, even as a kid I would do you know all of theater and I would do sp- school plays and you know it's just uh it, it kind of one thing kind of led to another and then eventually my uncle was the head of uh Chicago Transit Authority um for the trains when they were doing movies and stuff and so he oh, got nice. me a gig he got me a gig on the on the train platform for the movie Blues Brothers
0: and I, I started on the here, train. but I was like you yeah, know what Maybe- I, yeah. It was no dude, it's a great name. thing That's I started wild. out on the
1: trade platform and they're doing like, you know, they're doing this dance thing and I'm like watching it and I was like, man, I would just love to be down there. And then all of a sudden, like one of the moms was like, "Well, wait a minute, you know, he's got to have a doctor's appointment and he can't miss it and they're like, we're in the middle of a movie. And she's like, yeah, she's like, he, he can't, he can't stay. And so then they like did a bullhorn. There's like, is anybody there's a lot of us kids up on the platform, anybody here know how to dance? I was like, I do, I do. So we came down and they showed us the dance and whoever was figured out the dance quickly. And I knew how to dance. And so I went from being like the kid way back in the train platform while the train's going by to being right up in front and learning the dance, you know? And so that was like my, you know, that was how I got my SAG card. It was like the big, you know, the big oh kind of fan, you know, yeah. That is
0: so, awesome. Um,
1: yeah, so that's how uh, that's kind of where it all kind of started, you know, for me. I mean, that's what really kind of kicked off of like validation of like I should be doing this.
0: Oh yeah, you know, I'm, I was especially discovered. that young too. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was like twelve years dude. old,
1: dude. Yeah, yeah, and I got my SAG card. I'm like, I'm a professional. You know, this is great. And then I like didn't you know? Then I did commercials and stuff in Chicago and. And eventually, you know, I did stuff in high school. I, I did the movie Class when I was a senior in high school. And I that's saw that like, on here, yeah. Yeah, like Rob Lowe's in there. And all of us auditioned for the Andrew McCarthy role. Every Chicago actor. <laughs> Alan Ruck, John Cusack, Casey Samadko. Oh, wow. Like all of us were fighting for that, like, co-star, you know, to be the, the lead. And Andrew McCarthy, some kid out of New York, got the gig. But then they threw us in the movie. They threw all of us in the movie. So we all got like some of the roles. And that must, my first speaking part was in the movie class. So, you know, it was all kind of risky business. I was background. I was an extra in risky business along with like, you know, (laughs) Jason, Jason Gedrick and I were like in the scene with all like the, with all the hookers and stuff. And we're like, and I think he went home with like a Playboy Playmate or something. It was like, it was awesome. It was just, it was a great time. And all the John Hughes movies were in there and you had Ferris Bueller's Day Off and you had... You know, it it just was like a, you know, a time where, you know, you know, Chicago, thanks to like the Blues Brothers, you know, really put that city on the map. And then once Ferris Bueller came out, it was like, forget it, bro. Like, you know, that this is, but you know, the mark of a successful Chicago actor is that you leave, (laughs) you know, the real successful Chicago actors leaves. And then the, the later in your life you stay and you just like one of my friends, you know, spent time in LA, went to high school with him spent time in L.A., was doing plays in L.A., wasn't really kind of hitting in L.A. He's gone back to Chicago. He does voiceover stuff. He does commercial. And then he does all the TV shows that are there. And then he gets to play yeah. all these roles in all the plays that you could ever imagine. And so everybody has their own kind of like mark of success, you know. And And, yeah. um, you know, and I went to high school with John Cusack and Jeremy Piven was in my school years. So it's like, you know, I got – really. Yeah. yeah. So these are, you know, like, and even like Joan, Joan Cusack was in a whole bunch of stuff and she was with us. And, you know, the next school over was New Trier and they had like, you know, Roseanne Arquette was in there and all the Arquettes went to that school and Aiden Quinn. It was like this area where we were all kind of like doing stuff, you know, Lily Taylor's from yeah, there. It was just it was a group of people that were like these Chicago actors, you know, and there was Chicago theater actors all through the 80s that, you know, now kind of are all over the place, you know, doing every, all kinds of stuff. Joe Montana, the old, there was an older generation of like the Steppenwolf guys. So there was this sense yeah. that you really, and then Saturday Night, Saturday Night, uh, you know, all of the Saturday Night Live people were coming from Second City. So when I was in high school, yeah. I did an internship at Second City and I'm like, you oh. know, there's Joe, you know, there's, I was watching, uh, what was, who's some of the pair, uh, Mary Gross and Tim Cassidy. Was Lance
0: there at all? Was La- Lance no, Kinsey, not, he, was he there still or no? He was already Lance, gone? I think he was already gone at that
1: point. I, I'm I'm much older than you yeah. might think, but uh, but so the point is that the no, I was thinking guys, no, I was thinking police academy hit.
0: He yeah. bounced like right when police academy hit is when he was like on his way out of Second City, but yeah,
1: yeah, that's about right. That sounds about right. But like you know, my my years were I had the 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 Murrays. You know, Bill had already been on nice. Senate Live, but Joel Murray was there. Um, uh, I had Tim Kasarinsky, Mary Gross. Um, Mike Haggerty, you know, like these, these were like, nice. folks that like had, oh, one that had been best, kicking around dude. for, and, and the thing was, you know, they, they would all go from there to LA, you know, like what they were, once you really kind of maxed out that market, you'd go to LA. And then I met with the, all the big Chicago actors in LA, you know, they'd all hang around the farmer's market, you know, and they're like, Oh, you're the new guy here. Forget it. He's down there, pal. I'm going to tell you how you, let me tell you how LA goes. You know, we sit here, we have coffee every day, all of us, We got to, you know, get a Danish or whatever, you know, and it's like, it's all the Chicago dudes and they welcome you into the fold there. You know, it's like, yeah, there's this thing going around. It's like worse than AIDS. And I was like, "What? what, what could possibly be worse than AIDS? And like, it's called scale plus 10, take it or leave it. It's like, you just got your SAG card. They don't give a shit about quotes. They don't want to, they don't carry did a dispenser for hire. They don't give a shit. They want to pay you scale as if you just got off a fucking, you know, turnip truck, you know, don't do it, Jimmy. Don't do it. I'm telling you, you know, and I was like, I just got here, dude. I'll take whatever, like I'll take whatever jobs they do. You know? So it's just, there was yeah, yeah. a sense of that, you know, uh, and it still is. I still, you know, I, 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 uh. I envy that I never really was, be, you know, was that kind of 80s Chicago theater actor. You know, I always admired those yeah. guys because I interned at Steppenwolf as well. And they were going off and they were doing, you know, things on Broadway, you know, they were doing. And I was just like, and there's Malkovich and there's Gary Sinise and there's Jeff Perry, you know. And I was like, these were like, these were, these were iconic guys that were like the, the best Chicago actors were doing. They were going from here to Broadway or they were going here to Hollywood. So Um, and then the fact that when I was growing up, I'd have time in New York and I would like my dad and I would do with, you know, weekend of theater when I was in college and we'd see a Friday night show, Saturday matinee, Saturday evening, Sunday matinee, boom, he'd go back to Texas. I go back to college. And I like, I just was immersed in, you know, great performances, you know? Um, and so stuff like that kind of gets you, you know, gets you going and still remind I'm you know, now I'm at a point where my kids are older and. I think I'm going to probably go back and start working in the theater again. It's something I've wanted, you know, yeah. it's hard to afford to do it. Um but I'm, you know, I got one kid already out of, out of college and one's two wait two two years before they're done. So I'm like, hmm. Maybe yeah, I don't maybe. have to do so much yeah, really. film and television. Maybe I can get back on the yeah. stage, you know? Maybe I can <laughs> afford to get back on the stage. Yep. We'll see.
0: No, that's what it is. Like I talked to Eric Roberts and he was like, I would love to do yeah. theater, but they want me to be exclusive to them for, yeah. you know, yeah. 26 weeks and we do this for, t-. And he's like, I could shoot. You know, oh Eric is a beast. Like he, like look at how many credits yeah. he has.
1: He's something like, like, like a thousand oh, movies or something it's like insane. that. Yeah, yeah. He, he and his wife are like they they were on Gemstones with us uh last two seasons. Yeah, ago. yeah. And um and I I did a movie opposite Eric. I was She's like a the lead best. opposite. Yeah, and she the two of them are just like hilarious. And <laughs> yeah. uh they have a million. I'm mean, he. I'm sure he had millions of stories, but like my. The thing with Eric and I, because I was a lead in this film that I replaced John Goodman in the movie because John must have read the script. He's like, what the hell is this piece of crap? So like they got me to step in for him. And uh, I think I never told them that story, but like that's how Eric and I got to be close, <laughs> hung out for like two, oh, yeah. three, like two weeks together. And then being on set with them again, you know, they just I just said, dude, you, you're just such a workhorse. Like how do you do this thing? He goes, well, you know, my wife and I, I was very unhappy at a certain point. You know what I mean? Like I was drinking and I was doing drugs and I was, you know, I was, you know, fucking around with women, you know, and my wife was like, what the hell's going, you know, like what's going on? Like you're what, you know, you're happy, you know? And, um, and he said, I realized that we, we had a conversation and she's like, Eric, you're just, you're just unhappy. What well, he goes, where, where, where are you the most happy? He goes, I'm most happy when I'm home with you, you know, and I'm most happy when I'm on set. And she goes well. Then let's just dedicate. Let's dedicate ourselves to that. You know what I mean? Let's yeah. you don't you know you don't you can be California sober and you can just you know, but but let's 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 enjoy. Like if you were really happy working and being on set, then let's do that. Let's dedicate ourselves to that. And that's just a you know a beautiful kind of. And I don't again. I have no. I don't. I have no. I don't think he said he was having affairs or anything like that. But my point. Yeah, is, no, is I know what you mean. But the yeah. point he makes is that everybody makes an overture to him. I don't believe that he followed through on any of it. But the point is, you know, he talks about about how everybody kind of – when everything's handed to you, it's – you know, he's like it's very tempting. He told this great story about – he works a lot in Russia because, you know, the movies that, that like, uh, you know, Pope of Greenwich Village, you know, uh, yeah. uh, the uh, Runaway Train, they were like huge movies in Russia. He became like fucking Stallone in Russia. So he pre-sells territories in Russia. And he told me a story about doing a movie where they pay, him, they pay him in rubles. He goes to the airport. He gets off the plane. They handcuff a suitcase to his wrist. They take him to the bank. In the, in the suitcase are rubles that he <laughs> turns into the bank. Then it turns into money that they then wire transfer back to L.A., then they take him to a hotel, and when he walks in the hotel, there's a mound of fucking cocaine on the table. There's these beautiful Russian women that are like just in the room, and there's frozen fucking you know like uh, uh you know there's frozen um, vodka you know Russian vodka and caviar just sitting there. And he goes, "I got all the money I need. There's cocaine here. There's beautiful women. I'm I'm being handed the best caviar and the best." And then he goes how can someone not like he goes, when you, when you, when you have that kind of access, he's like, this is, you know, like there's no challenge. There's no, you you know what I mean? You're just, you're offered everything. And he goes, you You know, know, it, it, it was that kind of temptation. It was just a great story that he told. And it it came down to like, you have to just have to decide why you're doing this. If you're doing this to be famous, you're doing this to make money. This is not the business to do it. You can go create a fucking app if you want to make money. You want to, you know, (laughs) if you want to be famous, you know, are you really an influencer? Are you, how are you, what are you influencing? Are you, are you changing the two wars or you just make creating (laughs) content just because you, you're a narcissist and you and you can't not have attention. That's not creative. People don't real, real artists don't work that way. They don't give a shit about when they create art, they don't care how it's responded as opposed to the exact opposite. I'm creating it based on response. So you know, yeah. Eric's right. You know, it comes down to like, why are you doing this? And it was a beautiful conversation with his wife and she's like, yeah, he's most happy on set and being with me. And so she goes, let's fucking do this together. Let's, you know, he says yeah. one year, we went around the world like that. You must've told you you went around the world like three times in a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, that. Uh, that's a life full live. That's a body of work. That's a legacy. That's beyond You know, and he's a good dude. He's a good person. He's a great husband. He's And he gives back. Like I,
0: he gives back. I talked to a guy that was out of Philly that reached out to me when I posted the interview, like way back in 2020. And he was like, oh yeah, you want to check out this movie that Eric was in that I, that my son directed. And then I talked to the guy on the phone he just talked about like, and you can get this even from when I talked to Eric for like an hour and a half, he, he, he like loves to really like be one of the guys. When really yeah. with his credits and, you know, his, you know, experience in the he business, talks to everybody. he can be that he's, a-hole that, he can be the a-hole that sits in his trailer, call me out, but he's there like giving back. Like when he's not on set in front of the camera, he's like talking to people, ask them how they're doing. And I'm like, man, that's, that's what you that's, want with these that, guys. That's, that's, he, that was, these he was, he was a
1: great, he was a great addition to our cast. Like everybody really yeah. loved it, you know? And, and I just love seeing them again and and just kind of coming full circle from, you know, being in this movie that was like, you know, that I'm embarrassed to say that I was in. It was originally called <laughs> Attack on the Governor. And then it became, what the hell did it become? It was like Billy Zane is in it and me and Robin Gibbons and Eric. You know, it was like one of those straight to DVD movies that I still haven't seen a fucking dime from. But it was like, <laughs> it, was, it was it was just, and and apparently... <laughs> It was like the writer director like stole and lifted an entire script from another project and just like just whipped it together. And I, I think we shot it in like four days or something like that. It was just we had rehearsed – like I had rehearsals and stuff beforehand because then we went to go shoot. But it was like I think we shot the whole movie in four days. It was ridiculous. Jesus. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and they had three cameras going and so, be like so I'm like giving a speech oh, and they had teleprompters yeah. up and I'm giving a speech to like 200 people in a ballroom at a hotel on the top of Baton Rouge, and then then I'm down in the basement, and I'm jumping in a car where the the, the Russian mob is trying <laughs> to shoot me, you know. And then I'm like, then I go outside. And I'm like, there's a I'm like internal bleeding, and helicopters above, and like it just was just. Nuts. And then I'm like choking some hooker in a in a hotel room. <laughs> and it was like you know offering a million dollars to Eric. It was just it was just insane. It was just insane, but super fun. <laughs> Yeah,
0: that's awesome, man. So you said yeah. you were going. So what you end up? When did you end up going out? Like, was L.A. the first thing you went to, or was it? New yeah,
1: York? Yeah, uh, uh, New York. Because I when I went, to, I went to school at BU. I got a scholarship to BU. I uh, went there for a couple of years. Then I went. Then I then the summer between my sophomore and junior year, uh, they had cuts in the program, and I got cut from the program because uh, there was other people that, like did musical theater, and I didn't do any of that stuff. So it was like I just went to New York and did theater. So. I joined up with a theater company called Ensemble Studio Theater. There was these up-and-coming playwrights, a guy named John Patrick Shanley, a guy named David Mamet, a guy named you know, Arthur Miller, uh, you know, a guy named Wendy, was- a woman named Wendy Wasserstein, and there was these, you know, Craig Lucas, these amazing Richard Greenberg, these amazing playwrights were there. And it was mostly a playwrights-based theater where the actor's job was to serve the writing and serve the, write- the, the, the play. And uh I cut my teeth there. I, I cleaned toilets, and I you know ushered, and i I got to be a reader for the auditions, you know, and it was that was a cool thing' like, you know, they have this one act marathon, and like all the amazing all the most amazing actresses were auditioning for this one play. and I'm the reader, right? and so it's this' is a great story. So I'm a reader for the <laughs> auditions because they want to and the whole the, the, the whole scene was like it was an old girlfriend that hadn't seen her boyfriend in a long time. And she comes right in and she jumps in his arms and she like totally makes out with him. And then they have this whole little conversation. I haven't seen you while it's so great. And like, you know, these actresses are all kind of fighting for this role and it's like, who's coming into audition, Marissa Tomei, Sarah, Jessica Parker, you know, uh, uh, it, it was like the who's who of like the most amazing young, beautiful actresses at that time. And a couple of them were slipping me the tongue. Like, it's it's like we're just reading. <laughs> and a couple of am like, damn, like, oh, she's really kind of going for it. You know what I mean? So it was <laughs> one of those, like, you know, so I got to be a reader for that. And, and I was like, man, what I realized is when these aud- actors were coming in, they so were so fully committed on who they were. And they were so – they had, like, no – no one was nervous. And everybody they, – they just – when they came in, they're like, they owned the role They're like they, as if they were, as if they were already cast, they just assume yeah. this is what, and they go this, well, I'm going to show you what I'm going to do. Like, this is exactly what I want to do as opposed to, well, you know, I heard you want this and I'm trying, let me try to figure out, you know, what you want. I mean, it's like, it was a really great lesson for me as a young actor. And then there were these other amazing older actors who were going to play the, the, uh, the lead guy. And it was like interesting actors, like a guy named David Thornton. And uh, uh, there was just – there was amazing actors that were like Lenny Lenny, Lenny Dolan's. There were these actors that you kind of wouldn't know about, but they were – they just stayed in New York. They were really, real New York theater artists. And like no one would read like these guys. Like no one. You know, (laughs) it was so great. Uh, So it was a good lesson to – so I was in New York – and then I spent about seven years in New York. And then I, you know, I walked in there with 200 bucks. I had 200 bucks in my pocket. And uh, and I left, when I left New York, I I had, I had done 200 plays, mostly readings. And I booked the show, the mo- the Broadway show, Six Degrees of Separation. And they were going to do a national oh. tour that was going to start in Los Angeles. I had gone to Los Angeles years previous with a TV pilot that never went anywhere. And, uh, and my cousin lived there. And so, um, finally I was like, okay, this is what, this is what's going on. Finally, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna, I'm basically gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make this work. Cause I knew I was gonna, I knew I had nine months of work on the road. So LA, we moved to LA. Uh, my, my girlfriend at the time is now my wife of 27 years. So, um, so we moved to LA and, and then I'm on the road for nine months and she worked in a restaurant and started, you know, going to law school and, you know, we built our life in LA for about 20 years, you know, bought a house, raised a couple of kids. And then, um, I had heard that because of the tax credits right after, right after, um, Katrina or a little bit before Katrina, 2005 or so that, um, that a lot of film work was coming to Louisiana. I ran into a friend of mine who had moved back to Baton Rouge to be with his mom, kind of help her. Uh, she was being, she was sick. And so I ran into him and he's like, yeah, man, I, you know, I did, uh, well, I booked 14 movies last year, but I could only do 12. For what? I'm like, are you... He goes, yeah, I I, I, I had this lead in the feature, but I, I let it go because I they wanted me to be the doctor in Benjamin Buttons. And I thought that would be a bigger movie and better for me than this independent film. And I was like, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty good. So I was like... So then I was yeah. like, I, I, need to, I need to get a hold of this. And this was right around the time that the Writers Guild, the, the last Writers Guild strike was happening. And so... Um, it turns out that uh, I just started pursuing an agent in Louisiana. My wife is from Baton Rouge and the goal, the goal was to try to get as much work as I could. And I, then I went on a roll. I booked like 50 movies and TV shows. And then, then I nailed a big one. I I nailed 12 weeks of work on Deepwater Horizon, you know, opposite Mark Wahlberg and and, and Peter Berg was directing and I'm the vice president of BP. And it was like Mark Wahlberg, Kurt Russell, John Malkovich was in there. Uh, Gina Rodriguez, who just won the Golden Globe, you know, was in there with the movie. Yeah. And I'm the vice president of BP, and I'm working every day. I'm on set when I'm not. Whenever I'm not on set, he's sending me to drill school where I'm learning about because I'm the vice president of BP. I'm doing homework and learning how to be what what the oil industry does and how it works. So I, you know, every day that I wasn't on set working, I was in drill school or I was learning how to do the emergency. That's really drills cool. On,
0: that the research yeah, PG- on that.
1: That's awesome. Peter Berg is legit. Peter Berg is, you know, he's a documentary filmmaker that makes really good movies that are as real as as it gets. He's an amazing person, amazing director. Obviously, you know, we've done three films together. We have a good rapport. We text each other, you know, happy birthday and Christmas and stuff. And, you know, hopefully we'll get back to set together. You know, it's been a bit. So, you know, uh, I had 12 weeks of work. You know, I have, I have, you know, I've done 12 weeks of work on one film, you know, since. But uh, that gave me the, you know, my wife and I talked and said, you know, maybe we should see if the kids can deal with the heat in the summer. And so that got here. They got into really good schools. All of a sudden, we're like, hey, let's sell the house and down, to, you know, let's get out of L.A. and let's move our lives to New Orleans. And that's and here we are eight, eight years later. <laughs> You know, wow, so man, it was awesome. not an easy, it was not an easy transition.
0: You know, it was difficult. Oh, I'm sure. Any, my, my any, is, any change. Yeah. no.
1: Yeah. My wife's a partner at a firm. We have a house, you know, it's like, you know, to, to get rid of all those things. But, you know, uh, you know, looking back on it now, it's one of the, it's one of the you know best decisions that we all made for everybody. It was just, it, you know, Los Angeles is a very, very difficult place to live. It's a, yeah, it's a, it, it's a yeah. very difficult place to raise children and a family. It's, it's hard to afford to live there. You know, even when you're, you know, my kids were in public school and it was, it was still a challenge. It was a struggle. So, you know, uh, unless you're, you know, unless you have, you know, lots of money and you have, or you have, you, you know, built your wealth and you bought some really good property early on. I mean, you know, we looked at houses when we first got there and if we were laughing at like <laughs> $250,000 for that house, that house uh, became $550,000, yeah. that you know, somebody just bought it for $2.5 million. And, and in 1992, yeah. you know, that was worth $250,000. That's worth now almost, you know, almost $3 million, you know, 30 that's years wild. later. So it's kind of, you know, like you kind of go, you know, so, but, but I feel like our, co- our quality of life is very high. Cost of living is lower than New York or LA. So, you know, we found a place where, you know, we're happy, you know, we enjoy our lives. And that's awesome. There's always a festival oh, yeah, going on. There's the food is amazing as you can look at me. That's you can tell I've, <laughs> I, I, I liked some, I like me some food and a couple of drinks <laughs> here. And there, you know what I mean? It's not so bad.
0: Hell yeah, man. So when you got to LA, what was like, what was like for after doing uh six degrees of separation, like that tour, what was like the, did you find an agent right away? Like what was that whole process yeah. when you forgot? I had, first I had an there? agent,
1: yeah. I, I've always, this, this is the agent thing is always, it's still, I'm, I'm, I don't have a New Yorker. I have a New York agent, but I have an LA agent right now. It's just my manager, but it's like, it's just yeah. always a challenge. It's, it's hard to find someone. I think the thing that I have, that I really appreciate that I have now is I have this manager for 27 years and uh, he represents me, not just in a business sense, but in a, in a, in a, in a philosophical, in a philosophical sense you know hard work dedication hustle uh you know uh dedication to craft seriousness you know um and and you know knows how to i uh, just understands the responsibility of being an artist you know not just trying to make money and so um and i have an amazing agent down here in the south who's same thing she really represents me she hustles and negotiates my contract for myself and my son cuz we're both on the righteous gemstones together and so you know oh, that's, that's amazing. A, yeah. My son plays Pontius Gemstone, which is Danny McBride's son and John Goodman's grandson. Oh my God. So, yeah. So we're both on the same, I got booked first and then, you know, they auditioned him. And then all of a sudden, you know, we're down in Charleston and meeting Danny. And he's like, oh my God, we got two, two months. And they say like, you guys are, yeah, that's awesome, dude. We, we cast you. And like, this is, so I was like, yeah, this is, so we, we get to have, you know, half, half, you know, half the year we spend our time down in Charleston working with them on that show. And finished our third season and we got picked up for a fourth season. We'll start back up May, June, of 2024. So yeah. So, amazing. you know, kind of moving down here was, um, you know, it was difficult at first, uh, you know, just transitioning and things for the kids and socializing, but my daughter was starting high school and my son was starting middle school. So these are those kind of times where if you're going to make your moves, you know, socially, you know, this is probably the time to do it.
0: Yeah. And um, that's like the perfect time. Yeah
1: it is kind of the perfect time. And, and, and there was just too many, too many things kind of just clicking in place, you know, uh, that job. We had a beautiful house that we rented that was just gorgeous and affordable. And um, yeah, and, and the fact that my daughter and my son got into what, you know, are two of the best, some of the best schools in New Orleans. And they were like, how the hell did you get your kids?" I was like, I don't know. There was a spot open. <laughs> and she auditioned and we got in and this changed the course of our lives. You know, it was just like, you know, and just like any parent, you're like, I can't not let them go to these schools and have this great experience, you know, where my son was in a classroom of like 32 kids in in LA to go to a classroom with 12. Ridiculous. With a teacher and an assistant, it's like a six to one ratio. Are you kidding me? You know, my daughter went to NOCA, which is, you know, they're about to celebrate their 50th year of the school. It's the most creative, more kids go to, you know, to Juilliard than any school in the country, you know, so it's
0: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.
1: Ultimately what's do what's best for the kids actually turned out to be the best for us too, you know, and just did yeah. LA. What did you know, your, your daughter did? get into? She into acting or she was, she was an actress. She did, uh, she did the Bonnie and Clyde mini series opposite Emile Hirsch, which was <laughs> kind of cool. And then, um, that's really cool. She did, she did some plays here. She did a the fun part for me. is She did a, uh, a, uh, Tennessee Williams one act called this property is condemned. And she did it in the, in the Liberty theater where Tennessee Williams originated the play like 50 years earlier. So she got to work in the theater where it all started. That was just like kind of magical, you know? And then uh, that got her into school at uh, Ithaca college. And then she transferred to Cornell and she graduated from Cornell and now, now works at Dartmouth works in the art, the hood museum at Dartmouth. So, Yeah. So, you know, and uh, yeah, so those are, you know, my son, I, he's, he's kind of a superstar, you know, like he's got, he's got some skills and uh, not just as a parent, it's very nice to have other people go like, Oh my God, your kid's like, no, your kid's really, really, really good. Most parents, most parents would say, yes, this is true. But it's nice to be hearing (laughs) it from other people that are like serious professionals are going, no, your kid's really, really talented. And a good, and a good kid, you know, so we're, you know, uh, or I should say young man now, now he's 20. So, you know, yeah, (laughs) they're still my
0: kids, you know, it's just the way it is always. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So James, what was the role? Obviously this is something that you were, you know, since you were dancing on that platform or on the Gerber, uh, (laughs) yeah, bottle go from the, what was like the role that you did? (laughs) What was like the one role or uh, show or. You know, movie you were in that you're like, I can do this as a career. Cause obviously even if you love something so much, there has to be that point that you're like economically for myself. Yeah. Was there like a year that you remember that you're like, Oh, this is it.
1: I think there's a lot of those. There's, you know, that always, people always say some shit like, uh, like, you know, well, you know, when are you going to get your break? You know, I hope you get your break. And I was like, there's no, there's no really breaks. You either, you either keep going or you don't. um Oh, Totally. So it's one of those things where I I think, you know, that experience of like the, the blues brothers thing was kind of big to kind of go from being the kid in the back to going right up front. And that was like, see, you can do this. You know what I mean? Like you can, you, you can do this. And then when I was in high school and I, you know, and, and we all, I said, I said all the Chicago actors auditioned left and right. And then they're like, we're going to put together like a little group of people that are like the real, you know, that are, you know, they're not in the big part, but we, but we need these buddies around. And once I had that kind of speaking part, you know, in, in, in high school, I was like, okay, this is, this is what I want to kind of do. And I think that if I look at six degrees of separation on Broadway, the fact that I remember making a determined writing down and making a determination that I was going to be on Broadway, which seemed like the most craziest thing to write down. I was like, mostly Broadway's musical theater. Like, like I'm not, I'm not doing yeah. musical theater. Like, that's not happening. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, I'm an off-Broadway guy. I'm like doing this thing and this thing. And and then I was like, no, I I this is what I want to do. And then there I was. They had an off-Broadway play. Stocker Channing went away. She came back. They're gonna move it up to the new house. It's like it it's it goes from the new house to the Beaumont Theater. That's a Broadway house. And I'm I'm on Broadway for two, you know, for two years and then on the road, you know. And then – so those things – and then I think the other big one was like the movie Speed. It was like my first big kind of action movie and I was in the opening scene and I was working opposite Dennis Hopper. It was like this iconic (laughs) dude that I just admired forever. And um, yeah, when I booked that, I I had this opening scene and I get killed in the first – like a a screwdriver to head in the first five minutes of the movie. I'm dead. I'm done, you know. But um, (laughs) – But for the most so, – so there's things like that. I think the other big turn was, you know, I'd say Deepwater Horizon was another big kind of turn. And then the real one I think really kind of changed it all for me was was Dallas Buyers Club where I was told by the director that I had beat out some names in New York and some names in L.A. And he just was like, you're, my, you're the guy, you know. And in my callback, yeah. it's like I had one – you know, two scenes really but one big scene. And it was like, he made me do it like 30 times in my callback. You know, this way, oh, slow this down and take, pause here. He, like he was, he, you know, it was the late, great Jean-Marc Vallée. I mean, I just, we lost, he's an amazing director. He was an amazing director and so creative. And I got killer stories about him and on set. But it was like, you know, that movie almost didn't get made. We lost all of our foreign finance within like, days of a, a shooting, you know, and Matthew really? was, Matthew was severely sick because he lost all this weight. And because they were doing all those scenes where he was have AIDS and same thing with Jared, Jared was on like some liquid diet Ugh. for like two weeks. And they were both very gaunt, very emaciated. You know, Matthew was very Crazy. close, very sick. And we lost our foreign money. We lost our, you know, and this amazing, you know, uh, Cassian Elways, this great, you know, former agent who became a you know, producer and is amazing. He called in a, like a, you know, 25 year favor to a French guy and said, you're going to you're going to distribute this foreign. You're going to put seven million dollars in a bank. You're going to do it in the next forty eight hours." And he goes, so let me get this straight. You want me to invest seven million dollars <laughs> in an AIDS drama with a rock star named Jared Leto and Matthew McConaughey, who's known as a, as a romantic comedy lead. And I'm supposed to sell that foreign. Yeah. That 7 million became like $28 million for him. Oh man. And that guy voltage sold recently for something like a billion dollars to a a Chinese company. So, but he called in a favor. He called, he had, he got that guy, his first job, his first writing job. So he said, I'm calling in a marker, you know, and otherwise that movie wouldn't have got made. I mean, we literally lost all of our funding within days of, show. I was just sitting in a hotel. They're going, we lost our funding. Just sit tight. We'll let you know what's going on. And over the weekend that money was in there. It was like, you'll be on set on Tuesday. We're going, we're back in. This is what's going on. I was like, okay, I'm, I'm on. I was here for the whole week. Just waiting. work one yeah. day, you know? And then it was just like, it was, uh, and then for that movie to walk away <clears throat> that year, Matthew McConaughey and Jared Leto won every award that that could possibly exist between actor and supporting actor. It's like they just walked away with it. Critic New York's Critic Critic Society, Golden Globe, Oscar, you know, they just they just won it all. You know, and it was like, and I got to be in a movie that everybody in the industry had seen. Like there was like everybody had seen. Yeah. So unlike Speed, that was a big action thing, or unlike I have other you know roles in like SWAT and some other things that I thought were going to be, were really going to kind of change my career. That movie changed my career. Because then all of a sudden I was like, I was not just another character guy in the mix. I was in an Oscar scene that, that Jared Leto felt was the thing that got him the Oscar. He's like, our scene, father and wow. son together. He's like, that scene in the mirror, yeah, yeah. everybody really loved, that was great. But our scene was the thing that got me the Oscar, he felt. He's like, hold this. The Golden Globe is like, hold this. Half this is yours. So I'm like, not half, bro. He goes, just hold it. I wouldn't have got this thing if it wasn't for the work that we did. And that's who that guy is. Wow. But once you start to figure out that yeah. you're like, well, wait a minute. I'm working opposite an Oscar winner on Treme, Melissa Leo. I'm working opposite Oscar winner, Jared Leto and Dallas Buyers Club. I'm working opposite Oscar nominee, Bryan Cranston. Golden Globe Emmy winner. Nice. I'm working opposite go, Emmy Golden Globe winner Ray Romano on television. I'm like, you know, and then you're doing these scenes with these people and they treat you as equals because you're, you are equal. We're all creating this thing together. Yeah. They're only, you're, they only, you're, they're only treated differently when they say cut. And then you realize, well, wait a minute, I'm holding my, I work with Dame Helen Marin on in Trumbo as well. So I'm working opposite what are considered some of the best people in the business. And nobody goes, well, that guy sucks. Like, well, that scene was great <laughs> till that guy came in. Do you know what <laughs> yeah, I mean? Yeah. And you kind of go, well, wait yeah. a minute. If I'm able to hold my own against the best in the business, or and some of these people go from working with me and then they get an Oscar. It's like that's that should tell you something. That should, you know, you're not just another guy, you know, or, or as I like to always, you know, you're that guy. Oh, you're that guy and that thing. Or, Aren't you my kid's yep. soccer coach? I'm like, no, no. <laughs> okay. You were the teacher, like you were at the seminar that I was like, no, no, I'm an actor. It's like, Oh really? Anything I would have yeah, probably you wouldn't see me in a lot of stuff. So there's that. There is of that kind yeah, of, yeah. Yeah. it's like, you know, you look rattling off a whole bunch of credits and you know, like, so point is that you're, you start to, um, it goes a little bit beyond just, I could do this for a living to, um, you know, what's next? Like, you know, who can I, who do I, who do I want to collaborate with? You know, right now I'm in a yeah. f- phase where I'm like, you know, I have a dream list of directors, not as a fan, but as a collaborator. And so I, I'm, I'm thinking about what I want to, what kind of stories I want to tell while I'm still, you know, standing up, you know, while I'm not freed up yet, you know? So yeah, I think that's, you know, so I think these kind of you know, I guess, I guess you could say I made fun of the, the, you know, those breaks, you know, maybe those are breaks, you know, there's like, oh, that's a break or that led to, you know, and, uh, and I, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see what's next, you know, and a lot of it has to do, I think a lot of it has to do with what I, what kind of stories I want to tell that I have control over or, or content that I need to create, because I think, the biggest challenge I've had to face and still face is having to continually prove or audition for, or kind of show people the same role that they know me for. I have to keep interviewing for a job after a while. You know what I mean? Like it's kind of, it gets a little bit uh, tiring to keep having to prove yourself for something you're already You've already done. You know, like, why do I have to keep proving? Yeah. But again, I I liken it to an athlete, too. It's like, you know, you're only good as the next game, you know, like what you did before. And you got, you can have, you got all the rings, you know, it's like, you know, you can, it's, but did you, did you, you know, did you throw it? Did you throw a touchdown today? Did you, you know, did you <laughs> yeah, fumble? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, so you could, so, you know, you look at like the Aaron Rodgers of the world, or you're looking at the, <laughs> what's that guy from, he used to be on the, uh, some team in new england and he went to florida what's that 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 guy's name whatever his name is Uh, that That guy the giants beat
0: twice that's yeah yeah that's what i love it's
1: my favorite thing to always bait the new york sports fans go yeah when the giants beat them like you know if you beat them once Uh, no but point being is yeah you know you're you're constantly having to still kind of prove your value and prove your worth. It, it gets a little tiring after a while, but then there's the other side to it too. It's like, yeah, so I get to, so I just like, I did this today. Like I'm doing a role here that I've done the war. I've done this role already. I've played that role on, yeah. you know, on break, you know, breakout Kings. I did that already. You know what I mean? But i I'm doing it again for the right price and the right circumstance, you know? Um, so there is that, you know, it's an interesting kind of thing to go, um, I'm just so happy to be able to do it again. You know, it's like not being from the strike, not being able to do it for a good while. So, you know, that, that's that's what's wild is like through though. that
0: with COVID. Like you did that in oh, COVID. Yeah. Like when COVID started, I don't know yeah. what the exact time frame was. Obviously, I'm sure COVID was longer, but it's crazy to think that it's like is it's something that it's in your DNA. Like that's what you do. You know, you audition I mean, for and then
1: and all of a sudden yeah. you can't you can't tell that story. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for me, you know, COVID was man. It was it's it, it's hard to not it's hard to not. I I, I always said that I, I never want to get to the point where I blame COVID for for fucking up a, a major trajectory in my career. But I must tell you with with all honesty, where I was at in March of 2020 was pretty fucking amazing. It was really? pretty amazing. Because after years of flying myself out and driving and childcare and self-tapes and, you know, there was a time where I worked 18 months straight and took one week off. And even that one week, I was going to do a movie with that same guy for that movie that Eric and I did. But I passed oh, yeah. because I was like, my wife was like, look, we haven't seen you in 18 months. Like you have to, we are going on vacation family. You have to stop. You got to stop. <laughs> I was just, a, I was like a crackhead about work. And where I was at in March of 2020 was just kind of magical. Like February, you know, the, was the you know end of February was the premiere of Spencer Confidential. I'm at the Village. Th- I'm on the carpet. I'm like talking to, you know, the number two guy at Netflix, you know, <laughs> Stevens. Uh, you know, Scott Stuber and I are like, you know, I'm wearing my red. Tri- I mean, like, I'm just. I'm surrounded by 400 fans. I'm doing selfies like crazy. And I lean over and I see my manager and he's smiling. He's like, lean into it, man. You're a 30 year <laughs> overnight sensation. You know what I mean? Like it was just <laughs> pinnacle. And then from there, I'm flown to Memphis, Tennessee. And I'm going to be in the premiere of The Banker with Sam Jackson. And, you know, Apple's got a car for me. And, you know, like, and I'm, you know, like, you know, instead of me flying myself to the premiere and staying at my sister's couch and, you know, and, and paying my own way, I'm like, I'm, I'm in this premiere in LA and then I'm going to this premiere in Memphis, you know what I mean? And that's like, and, and, and I'm talking to the Apple executives and they're like Netflix. And I was like, you know, I'm, I'm my agent. I'm in a big first time I've got a bi-coastal agent. on both, both coasts. My son and I are both at this big agency, you know, and I'm just like, I'm on the, I'm, I'm on the top of the world, you know, I'm like, and then. <laughs> The fucking Titanic hits. You know what I mean? Like, I'm on the foot of the boat, and I'm feeling like I got it all. And then the boat sinks, and then it all, the agency goes away, and the, the, you know, and the trajectory goes away, and you know, and then I'm like, okay, you know, and and then I just I just immersed myself into teaching because all of a sudden everybody needed to figure out how to do a self tape, and I'd been the guy that like booked a million dollars yeah. worth of work off a of self tape, so I was like. I'm the guy that's got water in the desert. Like I can show you how to like, I can show you how to drink all this water all you want, you know? And so, (laughs) you know, I built my business of like my on-camera workouts now, and I've had, I don't know, 1300 people come through my zoom classes over the last three years. You know, my students, some of my students have done 500, 800 self tapes. You know, I've, I've coached at least 5,000 of those in this last, you know, three years. So it's kind of, you know, it kind of, I, again, I love coaching and teaching, but it's like, my passion is obviously being an actor, but, but yeah. I, the fact that I had this skill that everybody needed at this crucial time, it's just, it's just awesome. Just awesome. Yeah. So I yeah, kind of like find a, a way silver to line, Obviously. It, yeah. Yeah. You know, from that, you know, I was able to really kind of, you know, create something for myself, you know? Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now you know like i'm at the yeah. point where and then you know then the strike hits and and i did the same thing i just hunkered down in my business and just took care of actors who were really serious about their craft and share all my experience and show them my self tape so they see examples of kind of what i'm talking about you know um and so it's really it's been uh yeah you know who knows who knows what 2024 it holds but i can i can tell you i i know and again, that that whole thing of being on the top of the mountain, it was like, I was invited to Vanity Fair. Like I went to Vanity, <laughs> Fair. I walked in, I was not somebody else's plus one, you know, I walked yeah. in and was on the carpet and I'm, and I'm, and I'm meeting all these people that I've known, you know, I'm talking to Brad Pitt about, he just got the Oscar and I'm talking to him about New Orleans and my friend, Laura, you know, Laura Dern, she just got the Oscar and there's Sarah Paulson and there's like, and I'm just like going through, it was just like a who's who of all these people from being in the Jay Roach is there from Trumbo director. So it's just like, mm-hmm. I'm like, holy shit, man. I'm really, I'm in this thing. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm in this, this, I'm not on the, I am not on the outside trying to get into this thing. I'm, I'm invited to this party. And so it was, yeah. it's very, um, it's very seductive. It's very alluring. It, it, it makes you, that's the crack mentality of what we do because <laughs> it was never about being acknowledged or being famous or making a lot of money. But cause I just, just, just kept doing the work and then there I was like all of a sudden all that work, you know, my managers like lean into it, man. We've been, we've been, we've been hustling for 30 fucking years dude. you know, so, <laughs> so enjoy this time, you know, and you realize that it's very, it's fleeting, you know, it's, it's temporary, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but it, man, it's super fucking seductive because it makes you want to go like, I, okay, I've seen the mountain, I've been on the mountaintop and I want to go to a bigger mountain. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just makes you want to climb, and then you go, "Well, is, is that really what it's about? Is it about trying to climb back on that mountain, or is it about really what you're going to do with the time that you have left while you're here?" You know, and this is where this is kind of where I'm at right now. You know, I'm at what yeah. I consider probably mid-career. You know,
0: one thing I had to ask you because you mentioned the self tape. Now, yeah, is there like again? We're not gonna be able to cover the the whole process. of it. Oh, that's why people take your classes over. You know, since COVID, and you've you've done it for a long time. When you do that, are you if if the role is like a lawyer? Are you yeah. putting on like a suit for it? Oh yeah, is it oh, absolutely? You get that in? Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I little that was what I just. I have my suit sitting over here. Like I have a whole self. Oh yeah, nice. Out. I got my self tape set up right behind me. It's like the camera's there, oh, and nice. the wall, and I got my suit over there. That's and what like, you do oh, yeah. for
0: an audition. So it's the same mindset, right? Of yeah, going in an audition. In a sense, it's just yeah. it's just the only difference is there's
1: nobody. I'm doing there. it to come from my own home. I'm not getting in a car. I mean, the the self tape thing is it is it's not it's not going any it's not going away anytime soon. I can tell you that for sure. No, yeah, and that, and like that's mostly because yeah, that's not going. Yeah. yeah, and that's mostly because the economics of it makes sense the the, uh, the uh, environmental impact of it makes sense. I remember there was a time where I kept constantly getting called into the CSI's show, and but they insisted that you had to be in the, the producer session at Paramount Studios in Los Angeles in the middle of the day or towards the end of the day. Now, when I lived there, that makes sense. But I lived in Orleans. So I literally was like, get in a plane, fly there, rent a car, check in at my sister's place, work on my material, go drive in, you know, from Santa Monica into Hollywood, right? So I'm getting on a plane which has fuel, right? I'm p- p- polluting yeah. the air, I'm getting in a car, I'm renting a car, I'm creating traffic, right? And then I get in a room and there's 20 people in this room. It's all the decision makers and so there's 20 people that got in cars that came there, right? And, and then there's another 30 actors that come in and audition. There's another 30 cars that are put on the road. Do you see like, (laughs) you know, and so, you know, now there, now I can basically, you know, wherever I have internet capacity, I can shoot on my phone. I can, you know, they send me the material. I shoot it. I upload it. I'm about to, I'll be doing that after I'm done here. I'm going to go through all my takes. I'm going to pick the best ones. I'm going to send them two takes and then, my work is done. Then then yeah. if they like it, they're going to move it up to, they're going to send it to the decision makers then they send it up to network. And then I wait for approval. And then all of a sudden, you know, I'm on a plane, you know? So, and, and this yeah. one works a week from today. So it's like, I'll know <laughs> okay. within a week, you know, what's going on. So uh, that's the nature of it. I had been doing that for 15 years. So the fact when COVID hit, I just happened to be the guy that really knew what he was doing and I had I had a long laundry list of bookings, you know, Jurassic World, even Gemstones was off a self tape. I mean, I go down the list, ah, you cool. know, you know, Hall Catch Fire, recurring roles on stuff that were all self tape. So, you know, for me, you know, some people were used to going in live, but it economically, it, it, it environmentally, it just doesn't make sense anymore. And the fact yeah. that when you do a live audition, you know, there's eight hours in a day, you could only get you could only get maybe 30 people in or depending on the size of the role, 40 people in a day. Now with the self tape, you can see three, 400, 500 people in that same amount of time. So it also gives and the talent
0: pool. The talent pool right. is deeper. And for you and like see, for somebody that doesn't want to spend, have, right. you know, a million dollars on a two bedroom, uh, right. you no know, yard, you know? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And so I don't think it's going to go away. I think the first you know, the first thing is looking at people's work. That first read is going to be a self tape, but oftentimes I'm booked right off the self tape. I don't do callbacks. There are some situations where they do want you to call back, and they can do. Now they're doing those on Zoom, and now our new contract has a, a thing about if there's an option and if they have the economics and time, you'll do a virtual audition. So, like you and I are talking, I could basically you be the director, and we, I'll, you know, I'll do the whole scene as if the two of us are in the same room. And every, and you know, all the decision makers can patch in and have their video off and watch. So there is a, there is a, you know, technology is actually helping a great deal. And it, again, we're not throwing a whole bunch of cars on the road. You know, we're not, you know what I mean? Uh, We all pay for internet. So it's like, I'm not, the the costs are not the same, you know, it doesn't cost me the same. I'm not renting an office space that I have to, you know, pay for throughout the year for those times that I'm casting. So, you know, COVID was another big thing for a lot of people in our industry, had to make big changes, you know, agencies, clients were working from, you know, the agents were working from home. Cast and directors had offices that they didn't necessarily need. They was like, I could do all this virtual. And so I feel like it's not, it's not going to swing totally back to totally live. And I do think one of the things I say to a lot of my students is, you know, the good news is they're seeing more people. You know, it used to be if you were getting a live audition, you had to be at certain agencies or managers. It was almost like a kind of, a, you know, like it's a, uh, you know, only for certain people were given the little coveted 30 or 40 slots. Mm-hmm. And if you weren't with that agents or managers, you weren't being seen. And so many people, younger people, people, minorities, they were not being looked at, you know, or even being considered. Now, show me what you're going to do in your self tape, and, and so, you know. It really has, I think, leveled the playing field. Um, I know there was a certain, an actress who was part of the second, third generation, you know, acting family. And she was bitching about how I'm not getting any work anymore. And these self tapes, and this is, you know, so Uh, humiliating. (laughs) And I don't get to talk to anybody and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, wait a minute. You're from a third generation acting family, firstly. You probably have, and I know you have a very high profile agent. Of course you were given, you know, the, you know, you're given that entitlement of being you know, yeah. from that family yeah. with this agency. Of course. You, and now you have to audition like everybody else. So now you have to prove it. And that's, so yeah. you have a, so what are you, what are we really talking about? You know? <laughs> and they're like, you know, and I'm losing all these roles to these, you know, people that are not white. Is that what you're, so what are you saying? So you're saying racism has worked to your advantage. Your, your white privilege has given you opportunities over other people. And now you don't like it because it's not working in your favor. Yeah. That's pretty much what you're saying. Like, you know, like I'm looking at the article and I was like, I don't want to call you out for being a white entitled person. Who's been part of an entertainment family for, you know, 30, 40 years. (laughs) But that's pretty much what's happening right now, you know. And <laughs> my students are like super, like Indian and diverse, and like but the non-binary, and I got trans clients. I mean, like, so the, you know, so shouldn't isn't that the cool thing about our country is that everybody should be able to get a chance? Like, are we all aren't we all created equal? I know we're not treated equal, well, but aren't well, that's we all the thing equal? is
0: that's so funny about so you know, uh, like parts of this country. Uh, the th- or people in this country, it's like they're all for the flag and the nation, which I love the nation and everything. But when they they always are like the land of the free and like all, everybody's created equal, but it's like oh well, now when it comes to that. Like right you now, <laughs>
1: it's so funny. Not not for me. Like you you can't do it. I I know you know, it's, I know. yeah. I mean, I really think true patriotism and true American democracy is that everybody should get a shot. Yeah. They, they they do say, you know, all men and women are created equal. We are created equal, but that's not how we're treated. And I feel like, you know, I think everybody should get a shot. It doesn't matter who you love. It doesn't matter who you pray to. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is. It doesn't matter what your skin, you know, as a, is it Tyson, Tyson uh, Degrassi? Is that it? Was, you know, he was, that's the scientist, you know? We all have the oh, same yeah, yeah.
0: molecules. Oh, yeah, yeah. Neil,
1: Neil deGrasse Tyson. we all have the same molecules. We have the exact same molecules in each of our bodies. Yeah. Let's stop talking about how different. I I know that's the way in which that 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 people in power want to rule is to point out how different we are from each other. And what's really sad to me now too is like even with this whole conflict with, you know, with Israel and 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 the uh, Palestinians, it's like if you look at the Middle East, they have so much in com- they have more in common with each other than any other group of people in the entire Middle yeah. East. They the way they raised, the religion, the families, the culture, food, music they have so much in common. But there's that. But they're part of the way in which is that is they have to point out how different they are. And the same thing in this country too. I think this whole thing about you know that you know uh, you know every man for himself. Just that this doesn't work. It's just, yeah. I, I, I know it's like, well, I got mine. You need to pull yourself up in the bootstraps. I was like, well, wait a minute. So, well, wait a minute. Where did your land come from? You know, what neighborhood do you live in? What, yes. what, how did your family get ahead? How do they own a house? But these people don't, Was there was there a red line in your district and they're like, so, you know, like I go was, I don't think everybody was given the same shot, you know? And so, I'm still of the, really the philosophy of that, you know, we're, we're all in this together. And and the bottom line is the planet's melting. The planet's telling us what's up. You got a young kids. I'm not yeah. going to scare you, but, the, but, but, oh I yeah. know. so we have to get, so, okay. So what are we going to do about it? <laughs> you know, like we have to do cause we are all in this together, just like COVID. You're all in this together. It doesn't matter. Everybody, somebody, everybody got, got it at some point, somebody got something. Yeah. You know? And so, When we're faced with these things, and I do think this is a beautiful kind of cyclical historical way that we're in right now. I don't not beautiful because I do see so much hatred, and and again, here we are, another mass shooting. It's like you know, I did this. I I did this TV pilot about a guy who's you know former military, and he goes into an Indian sect, you know, this Sikh. It's like a. He's some of the most peaceful people in the world and he just went in there and just slaughtered people and then put his gun to his head. And so he wouldn't have to be held accountable for it. And I go, I keep trying to like, go, what, how is this person indoctrinated? How did this person become this mass murder? You know, I keep trying to tell that story, but I can't put it up there because every time I turn around, there's a fucking mass murder thing. And yeah. I'm going, I'm trying to say that we can, we can get to the root causes of, that the reason this pilot exists is to get to the root causes of this. How does one go from being trained and serve our country to walking into a peaceful religious place and just take people's lives for no, no reason whatsoever. And if we don't start to look at the root causes of that, it's just going to keep happening. And yeah, guns are a part of it, access to certain guns and, but mental health, like what's inside people.
0: Oh yeah. You know, the gun is the gun, but
1: what's inside people, you know, what's where's, so I feel like we're at it, you know, (laughs) But like 100 years ago, there was a world war, (laughs) there was a pandemic, right? There was a a, a depression, but out of that came Einstein, out of that came Louis Armstrong, out of that came John Steinbeck, out of that came some of the most amazing pieces of music, the most amazing pieces, the the roaring 20s from all that horrific stuff came incredible art, incredible culture. And I have to, you know, I'm just, you know, e- eternally optimistic and hopeful that from these things comes from the Phoenix, you know, Phoenix out of the ashes from, <laughs> yeah. you know, from poison to medicine, you know what I mean? Like that, that we, that, that, you know, amazing things can come out of this. You know, when you threaten AI, you know that you're going to use technology to replace human beings. Yeah, some people are going to have to make a decision. Do I? Is that how I want to be entertained? Do I want to be entertained by, you know, something that's non-human? You know. So yeah, it's very it's, uh, it's an interesting time.
0: No, it is. it's a very scary time to be raising young children. Yeah. But I'm of your uh, I've like blind uh, faith. You have to. I think I have to because I've been a Knicks fan my whole life, so I've always had blind faith. Cubs fan, you telling me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least you're telling a Cubs fan about like hundred years. Yeah, yeah, you got to believe. I know, you got to believe. You saw you you saw one. That's all I want. Like my dad was a Jets, uh, Jets, Knicks, Yankees. So like his childhood was awesome. Like he was uh, twelve. I think what was he fourteen. Uh, what, yeah. I don't know, 12, it was like the jets, the Knicks. And then two years later, the Knicks again. And then he saw the Yankees dynasty from 77, 78, and then he gets the nineties. So he had a pretty good, the jets obviously never won again right. for him, but no, I just have this, hopefully something's got to, something's got It's You can only go up from here. I think, I think so too. Cause I feel like the, the, you know,
1: there's cycles. We go through these kind of cycles, you know, right now I feel we're in a power cycle. You know, we're not in a love cycle anymore. I think we're realizing that power is, you know, I'm starting to see it creatively. I always go like a real mark of the time is what are the kind of stories that are being told during that time or generation. You know, I come, I was born and raised in the love generation. So it's like love was, love was more powerful than hate. Actually love led to peace like you know, love. There would be love-ins, There would be like, and they try to influence policy. And there was, you know, there was a sense of like, you know, civil rights. Like, so I, you know, there's. I feel like we're we're getting away from the love, the the power of love, and we're just getting in the power of power. Like, I got money, or I got yeah. influence, or I can buy this, or I can, I can, you know, lie, or I can, you know, what I mean, I can, I just get a lawyer, and you know, I'm just gonna. take it out in the courts. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't need to pay you. Just sue me. You know what I mean? Like I have no sense of right or wrong. It doesn't matter. You know, it's like prove it, you know? And it's just kind of like, you know, I I just, so I feel like I'm interested in us getting back to a sense of commonality and a sense of love, you know, that we are all in this together. And we, and I I'm with you too. It's like, I do believe that scientists are going to find ways in which to, and they have, and you also look at COVID man. If we didn't have COVID, the planet would be far, far worse off than it is. right Oh, now. I know. And it's know. not in a great shape. There's like these polar ice caps are moving. Like it's not, it's not, yeah. it's not looking good, but there is a thing. We of were like, in Iceland mat-
0: for, we were in Iceland for our honeymoon in 2016. Yeah. And our guide showed us photos from like, they showed us a photo. It was almost like maybe worn these Americans, but he showed us a photo and he's like, oh, when do you think this is from? And we are like, cause it looks so much, it looks so much bigger. Like what we're uh, hiking up with like the, like the spike shoes. And I was like, oh man, this is probably from like 50 years ago. And the guy's like, yeah, this was last year. I'm like, oh my God, just so much melted. And yeah, it's scary.
1: Yeah. But I do believe that there are, there are amazing kind of things that are being done where I think we just, you know, we have to take it serious, you know, and and just like COVID, we know everybody's going to be affected by it. So I think we have to more I think we have to start spending more time looking at each other and seeing seeing all the possibility is just as you look at your kids and go. I want you to have a greater life than I have. I want you to be oh, able hell, to go yeah. outside and not have to worry about sunblock or not have to worry, <laughs> a, wear a sunsuit. I'd like you to go out and just, you know, jump on your bike and be gone all day. Like I did. I don't think, I don't, I don't think that that's, I think that's a very difficult thing to let your kids just go out there and
0: just, do, Oh, I know. You know. No, I can't. And I so, can't.
1: yeah, you know, so I feel like, you know, we're at an interesting time, you know, I'm just, you know, I, 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 I'm a storyteller, you know, my storytelling, I, we all stem from people that were grunting and got rocks and drew pictures about the human beings before us. Yeah. I'm, I'm part of that you now. And those aren't tech billionaires and they're not lawyers and they're not doctors and they're not politicians. You know, I come from, we come from cut from storytellers, human beings that told stories about the human beings that were here before us and the fires and the floods and the things that were there. That's, that's my gig. So I always feel like, you know, don't ever disrespect me as a storyteller, as an actor, because I go, I don't know, my people, my people were communicating before there was even words. So who the fuck are you? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I know, I know, you know, you know, your name's on buildings and I know that, that, that you deliver these packages and you, you know, you're creating cars that that don't have human beings in them. But I go, so big fucking deal. (laughs) Yeah. I know. my 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 brother's, brothers 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 grunted and he told this story about there's gonna be a flood coming in, the sun came in, this whole fucking village was out. You know, I'm like, that's where I come from. Where you yeah. what's your deal, you know? So I feel like, you know, we we you know who cares? You know, like that's I, I don't you know, I think we've learned a lot about that during the strike. As much as they you know, thought they were saving money and they, they, they lost more than they would have given us the first time around anyways. Um, you need us. <laughs> you need us. COVID hits, whatever I do, watch movies, TV shows, listen to music. What did, what did everybody, what solace did everybody need when we're all indoors and we're finally have to look at our kids and we have to look at, you know what I mean? Sit down to dinner together and really deal with each other. It's like, what did, we all, we all wanted to be entertained, right? We all wanted to need, we need, we were ravenous for content. So you, you need us. I don't care what you say. You know, you need us,
0: you know? Yeah. What we a, may, that may was such a wild richest. time. Yeah. It's a wild time. Man. Yeah. It's for like content, but no, this has been so much fun. One thing I wanted to ask is, because you, it, I, I always like to ask this question and, I, and I'm like, I always try to guess what the person's going to say, but uh, so over the years, are you like a memento guy? Like when you're on sets, you keep like scripts or do you like a prop here and there? Is that something?
1: Yeah, a little bit. We put together like a little time capsule thing for my son for gemstones, you oh, know, we awesome. put like a little, you know, so uh, yeah, a little bit like that. Not so much of like holding on to the scripts. There was a time where I used to like to do that, where I'd like the pilot of something, I get everybody to sign it. And then I go, look, oh, that's cool. I'm not holding it for me. I'm going to donate it to a charity, you know, that's going to make some money from it. And I think it'd be kind of cool. So stuff like that I'll do. Um, yeah, I know th- it's interesting when you do gigs, there's this, like every time you finish a job, it's like, cause you don't know when your next job is. Yeah. <laughs> that's the cool thing about gemstones for the first time. It's like, I know that show's going to, you know, Danny wants to go like 10 years. So I know that show's going to go a bit. Um, but yeah, that that last day of shooting is always kind of like, I don't know, might not get picked up again. You know, <laughs> we don't know. New owners, new new partners. And, you know, HBO is now called Max or whatever the fuck that is. You know, and it's just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. we don't know. And it's like, we know. It's like, so there is this thing of like the, I think I don't really hold on to the momentums, but I really kind of like it's, there's a piece of my heart every time I do something. And even every time I do a self tape, I like, I, I, you know, I put myself I always say to my students, I was like, don't leave yourself out of the self tape. I mean, I put myself into my work, you know, yeah. so it's a, it's a little, it's a little, you know, trademark and a little capsule of my, what I, what, what contribution is, what I want to do, you know?
0: There be a lot of things that you'd have. Like, you yeah. Have 170 scripts or. Yeah. That, I, 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 I asked like. Look, I just
1: finished purging. <laughs> I moved and I was like, geez, man, if I didn't have this basement, man, I'd be in trouble you know and then i had like yeah, a little yeah. flood all of a sudden i was like frantically putting things up above while the is like creeping in at four o'clock in the morning i'm like uh, it's flooding i'm like felt like i'm like trying to like dig out the the holes or drains and i was like it was just it was crazy i felt like i was you know i felt like i was on the titanic like trying to bail out so yeah i try <laughs> not to hold on to a lot of stuff but i still have this little little boxes of things that i kind of i still have my star wars collection uh star wars trading cards that are like oh just my God. there you know I me mean, like from the 70s and shit
0: from ba- from and the like, 70s like original yeah, dude yeah dude oh wow yeah yeah that's awesome so there's like, like in the thing? spokes of your uh bike or anything
1: no everybody <laughs> else did i i was like they might yeah. be worth something someday and then my son's got a box of like a couple of friends someone's father passed away and like donated all these, you know, baseball cards to my son. He's like, "Yeah, let's keep it in the box. Just leave it in the box." <laughs> and that box, I was like, "I put that in a, you know, it's in a big, you know, waterproof thing." I was like, "All right, we're good. It <laughs> yeah. Right there. Let the water flow. You're good. Yeah. It's good. It's not going Yeah, I don't. I don't. You know, for me, it's like, uh, yeah. I'm. You know, I'm hoping Gemstones goes the ten years Danny wants to go. You know, yeah, world, you know, we're only on season three, and we'll go to season four. So.
0: I don't see well. A guy like him, man, he is—he's—he's he's like kind of not an enigma, but he's so good at so much. It's very rare to see somebody that is that good at com- writing comedy, doing comedy, and then doing action or horror. Like the fact that he wrote—you know—he had his hand in in the twenty eighteen Halloween movie is to me oh, yeah. like mind blowing.
1: And the fact that he's got the rights to uh, the Exorcist. Yeah. So they, they're doing that. And he's got the rights. To, I don't know if you're a seventies kind of Burt Reynolds fan, but they've been trying to do a Smokey and the Bandit movie
0: forever. Oh like, yeah. Yeah, bro. That'd be nice. I'm all
1: I'm all in on that. I was like
0: dude, I would love a cannonball run movie. Take like people who totally. are in today. That'd be great, yeah. man. Why not? Dude, I definitely should be doing the cannonball run for sure. But dude, I think the Smokey
1: really- and the Bandits like the elite, the like the opening precursor to get that going, get it going, you know.
0: Because it really be, is who like, would you, who would if you, you really, if,
1: if like the Fast and the Furious, that's Ugh. really what, that's really what Smoking the Bandit is. It's a modern Fast and yeah. the Furious with the car chases and shit. Um, so a little bit of that. And that's like a right. you know, I told Dan, I, I was, I pitched to uh, what I, and it was the stupidest thing to do. And I can't believe I did it, but I was just like, <laughs> I was, pi- I was pitching to David Gordon Green. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I heard you guys are doing like Smoking and the Bandit he goes, yeah, well, you know, the script's not there. We're trying to find the money and blah, blah, blah. I was like, Dude, I said, you guys, I think that's a good idea and everything. But, you know, the the movie you really need to do, you need to do a remake of Deliverance. That's the movie you need to do. And I was like, and I'm just letting you know that I'm available for the Ned Beatty role. Wee! Oh! And it was like the weirdest thing to pitch David Gordon Green at like 7 o'clock in the morning over the breakfast buffet at the hotel. (laughs) But I had my shot. And I think it, it's totally weirded out our relationship because yeah. so, so Dumont was pitching me Deliverance, and then he said he wants to be the guy that gets a, ass raped. I just and we were really just talking about his son and trying to get him into school, and a recommendation letter. And He just kind of switched gears on me, you know. And it's just like, so welcome, welcome to my world. Welcome to my yeah. missteps.
0: That's amazing. There's man. plenty of them. <laughs> this has been so much fun. No, I loved, uh, obviously like talking about your career and how, how it all you know came to be and everything, but, uh, you have a really great outlook on life. Like that's Thanks, man. a very important yeah. thing to have.
1: Yeah. I've been, I've been a Buddhist for 35 years and, and oh, so really? I, yeah. And one of the cool things about it, and we, we don't have the, you know, the, the patent on, on this idea, but you know, if you really look at every single person Having eternal possibility, then a lot of the shit goes away. If you really respect human life and realize that every person has this potential to to change and adapt and to kind of grow, you know, oftentimes you're not going to treat people less than if you realize it's like when you go to other countries, you know, they they bow to you because they bow to this the possibility, or you can say the God in you, you know, the God like yeah. quality, and so I, I feel like. I think we've kind of gotten away from, you know, it, we're so you know self-centered and narcissist, and we're in our own little kind of bubbles that we don't recognize that each person has great potential, you know, that people can make mistakes, but they can, they can turn poison into medicine. They, they have every, because if you look at every person as a, as a possible godlike or a, pus, or a person of, of, of immense eternal possibility, do you know what I mean? That's, a, that's like a little world piece right there, you know? Yeah, because I feel like if you're indoctrinated or told or conditioned or culturally set up that these people are your enemies, as 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 we're finding right now in these in these these war torn countries, is that that's the enemy. They're the enemy. They're the enemy. And even in our own country, they're going. They're the enemy. It's these people. Are the enemy. It's like no, no, no. Every single person has you know incredible, immense, eternal possibility. And so when you kind of when you just take that in you 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 treat people accordingly i think you know and i think that's an important component that's of all all the things i think we talk about tonight like for me that's the biggest thing it's just just, yeah you know you look at your children with immense eternal possibility and you should and and that's and that's right and that's correct but do you look every at everybody like that you could not saying you didn't that's nothing wrong with it we all have our things but the. If you look at everybody as that immense possibility, then you then you you wouldn't take their life. You wouldn't disrespect them. You wouldn't cut them off. You wouldn't, you know, like you just, you know, if you just figure, so I feel like for me that, and that kind of helps me to kind of, you know, to deal with the realities of stuff and to step into characters, it's much easier to step into character when you have a great, when you're coming from a place of empathy and compassion, as opposed oh, yeah. to, I'm going to judge this character or this is what they are, whether they're a racist or they're the, I mean, I play all kinds of characters that are just unlikable pieces of shit. (laughs) Like (laughs) I wouldn't, I wouldn't piss on them if they were on fire. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but that's, but that's my job. You know, Shakespeare said is hold to hold us toward a mirror to nature. Like, look at this, you know, these people exist, you know, And, and it's my responsibility to, you know, bring them to life, whether I agree or disagree with, you know, where they come from, you know?
0: Yeah, because you're like thinking of like why are they that way? It's not like you know this guy. Right, that's you know, my this, job as to explore hits his wife. That it's idea. like oh, I right. bet you his he you know he could be a piece of shit, right. but also his dad probably did that or his grandpa did it right. or somebody. So there's these things that people are conditioned to that they in some cases like not giving people like outs. They're still bad for doing it, but you know for them this is like normal.
1: Yeah. I use, I use, cause I worked for him and I actually know him pretty well. I worked for Donald Trump. Really? And yeah. And I'm going to throw this notion out. What if Donald Trump's father, Fred Trump, just loved him unconditionally? Just loved him for being a son without having to give him money, without having to live up to the name, without having to prove anything. What if he just loved him unconditionally? Do you think he'd be the same person he is today?
0: Probably, it's an interesting not. notion. You know what I mean? That. Yeah, I don't know. Where'd you work for him? In Florida
1: or? In, no, oh, in New York. I was a DJ. I was a DJ on one of his boats. You know, and he bounced his check. By the way, too, he, he bounced a fifteen hundred dollar check, but he's building the Trump Tower. You know, it's a
0: little. That's the little Gary Shandling joke. The it, Gary you know, Shandling joke yeah. uh, was. I would. I had a. I was playing. Uh, what, what was the one he owned in uh, Atlantic City that went under? Yeah, he Trump. The Trump. The uh, uh, Taj Mahal. Oh yeah, it was oh Taj Mahal. Yeah, and he yeah. goes, "How would you like to get paid?" He's like, "Cash." <laughs> oh no, who who would you want the check to ma- be made out to? He's like cash because he, he got exactly. screwed over one time by Trump. Oh yeah, so he's like every oh, time yeah. I went there. It was cash only. No. I, oh, we'll give he, you chi- Mr. Shanley, we'll give you chips. No, I just want cash. Cash. Exactly, bro. Yeah, yeah, no I
1: I he bounced three checks for me. Uh, you know, I'd like, you know, 400 a piece. And I'm on the boat with the people that are financing the Trump Tower. I'm just like, he's building like a multi million dollar thing, but the fucking guy is, he's a little cash poor. He's it's a little, insane. So I go, you know, people are what they do. Like, this is who this guy is, you know. But, but, and then the other side, I had a friend of mine, you know, my publicist, Charles, who you probably talked to, my, his yeah. father was, his father was Fred Trump's publicist. And when what? his father got sick, at, when his father got sick with cancer, Trump paid for a private room paid off their mortgage to the house, never asked for a dime. Holy so I have God. my story, everybody's got their story, but then on the other side, something he doesn't talk about is that, you know, his, his, Charles's father's still was, you know, lived for much longer because of Trump paying off the mortgage to their house and giving him a private room at Sloan Kettering, one of the best, you know, cancer hospitals yeah. in the East coast. That's so a, that's wild. That's an interesting story that nobody kind of talks about. So I always kind of go yeah. like, you know, just because you think you know somebody, it's like there's another there's, yeah, you never you know, there's know, another yeah. there's another side to everything, you know. So as much as I, I I blame him for the lives of many people that died, you know, on his watch during COVID, yeah, you know, on the other to save his legacy and you know reputation and ego, there's people died, people really died by by playing yeah. downplaying it, you know, people really believed. But on the other side of that too is that, you know, here's a little boy that just wasn't loved by his dad without having to prove something. It's like that's a, that's a sad thing, you know? Yeah. The kid that doesn't Here, get what? picked this and, can't, is- and can't own his own NFL team. So he's going to go, I'm oh, going to go make another one. I'm going to go make my own. So it's, it's kind of sad if you think about
0: it. The man. generals. Oh, my God. That whole league was like that. That whole league was about make sure you get to the bank first so your check's not getting <laughs> cash. What's his name? <laughs> Talked about that. uh Rick yeah. Neuheisel, yeah, uh, he was on the Dallas Desperados, I think, and he said when they give us our checks, we'd like it was, he he would joke we, would we immediately like go Run. to the bank, yeah, hell yeah, Cause,
1: because because it'll say.
0: probably be yeah. So point being is you
1: know people are what they do you know just be mm-hmm. just watch people's actions, don't worry about their words, watch their actions, it'll tell you everything you need to know you know. Especially for me when I'm approaching characters, that's kind of how I work too.
0: Yeah. So, dude, hey, we covered a lot of territory.
1: You know, no, what I great. like is uh, instead of plugging stuff, you know, like we can always plug stuff, but I always like talking about. Yeah, I'll process, mention
0: people. You know, like I are, watch Candy yeah. Cane Lane with my kid, kid. Well, my son, he's not really watching. He's running around like breaking right. stuff. But, but no, how it, old's it, your daughter? I loved it. It was really, yeah, what dude. Was, it's uh, fun. What was really cool about it when you start to watch it, like there's so many movies. Like you know, like there's so many. I, Hollywood's been around a lot of movies, a lot of shows have been made. And at first when you're watching the movie, I'm like, you know what? This might be just like that. Matthew Broderick, Danny DeVito. And then there was like that wild twist to it. The fact that like Jillian Bell, who I love, just the fact that she was like basically trapping people. It it was insane.
1: No, she's, she's a, she's a sex trafficker. she that's basically like what she becomes. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes a sex trafficker of like, I'm going to, yeah. Sign right here. Everything's good, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's, there's a great little twist and turns in there. You know, uh, there's also, we're, I don't want to spoil it for everybody. There's a, you know, the $100,000 payoff is a different $100,000. <laughs> it's not what you think. So yeah. you go through all this shit. And good. You know, I, there's so many things about this movie that I love. I, Eddie Murphy is just fantastic. Is, and, you know, Eddie Murphy does Eddie Murphy. And there's scenes in there where he's a, he's a really good, he's a good actor, man. I mean, I've oh, yeah. When he got fired, I was like, wow, dude, like that's that okay, that's right. That Eddie, Eddie is an actor. And then when Eddie's trying to kick ass, like there's Eddie kicking ass again, making jokes, you know? And then there's that great little relationship that like Tracy and Eddie together, it was a really good pair. Like that, yeah. that pairing was a really good pairing. And there was a little bit of, I don't know if you saw there in the end, there's, there's a little, there's a teaser in there for, for candy cane lane two. You know, I make oh, the joke, okay. candy cane, candy cane lane two electric boogaloo The Santa, the black Santa story. You know, it's like, I want to see David Allen. I want to know, I want to know David Allen Greer's story about Santa Claus. Cause you know, David Allen Greer has got so much more going on than any, anything that I can. So yeah, I just feel like, you know, I think it's going to be, you know, Eddie Murphy and Santa Claus against some other and the family's got to do it. I'm like, I'm ready for the next one. Like it's, it's already. And right now we're number one worldwide on Amazon prime in the entire awesome. world. It's number one. And actually I think it's you have a like big somebody, part in
0: that movie. Your part. Yeah. I got big, a nice, like the boss role. It's awesome.
1: like, which here's the thing, you know, Steven Tobolowski's in the movie. Another friend of mine, Nick, Nick Offerman, I know from Chicago. It's like, you know, I just was, you know, it's the second time working with Reggie Hudlin. I did this movie called safety, which I think how old's your, how old's your daughter Your son, your daughter? Uh, he's one Who's uh, the younger
0: daughter's going to be five. She's a oh, young one and a half. Yeah. A little
1: younger, but later on when your boys like in like sports age, like this movie safety for Disney plus was like super great family movie. And Reggie directed that. I did that with him and uh, we just build a nice rapport. You know, he's, he and I you know, get along really well and it was just it's super great. So, and uh, yeah, I got a nice little fun little, you know, I get to work off of Tracy Ellis Ross and she's just super sharp and funny. And, you know, coming off of gemstones is like, I'm ready to do anything, you know? So,
0: you know, yeah. the two of us, before two we start of us talking. really quick. Yeah. Yeah. Before I started recording, you were mentioning that you were there for like the last two days. Yeah, so like that was my last two days of shooting. Are, so your scenes were all shot just the last two days. Like everything was pretty much yeah. done.
1: Oh yeah, wow. like my first day, I think was Eddie's rap day. <laughs> like he rapped, you know. And then like, okay, Eddie's gone, and now we got to. We're not done. We got to finish this movie, you know. And I'm like, I just got here. I just got here. And everybody's like tired <laughs> and long days and trying to. You know, it's like took them three hours to set up this, all the shots with the conveyor belts. And there's like we're in the we're in the really Budweiser, you know, bit bottling plan. And it's it's still working. The Budweiser, they're still like doing beer over here. We're trying to make a movie over here. Um, <laughs> you know, so it's uh, 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 let me just one second. Yes. Oh, you're good, man. Um, Yeah, it's just one of those things where. um Yeah it's, it's, it's one of a kind of a crazy, crazy little, little notion in there. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, uh, you know, they, everybody was kind of tired and ready to kind of go. Um, every, was, everybody's tired and ready to go home. But I'm like, I just got, I just got here and the movie's not over yet. You know, it's like that kind of thing.
0: So that's why movies are magic, man. Like the fact that he wasn't even there, but he's in that, yeah, your scene, you know, that's yeah. pretty wild.
1: Yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fun. And I, you know, like I, uh, you know, Tracy didn't kind of know who I was. I didn't, I, I knew she was through blackish and she was fantastic. I've always wanted to work with Eddie. I only had a, like brief conversations with Eddie cause I knew his brother, Charlie, when I was DJing in New York. And oh, wow. uh, so we had a nice little quick little moment. He's like, wow, man, limelight. Holy moly, dude. That, that was, that <laughs> brings me back. So I was like, okay, cool. <laughs> So yeah, it was one of those awesome, things man. where um where uh yeah, we had a great time. And Reggie, you know, Reggie Hudlin had directed the Great White Hype, which is with Peter oh, Berg shit. and Mark Wahlberg. And, and uh, sorry, Peter Berg and uh Samuel L. Jackson. And so um every time that Reggie and I are together, I take a little quick little picture and I like text it to Pete and I was like, hey man, Reggie and i He's like, oh, say hi to <laughs> Reggie. For me. So there is this kind of like interesting kinship, but I've had this, you know, great opportunity where Done three movies with Mark Wal- Mark Wahlberg and Peter Berg. I did Deepwater Horizon. I did Patriot's Day. I did Spencer Confidential, which, you know, the thing that was the other thing with COVID is Spencer Confidential drops like the week before the entire planet goes indoors. It was like the best thing ever for me. Yeah. Because <laughs> like that movie's like two hours long or 90 minutes or something. Like most households were watching like 200 hours of that fucking movie. It was like crazy, <laughs> bro. Like everybody was watching that thing. They watched it two, three times. So it was like, so you just happen to be that movie at that time. Same thing with the banker. It was like, you know, we went indoors and the banker kind of dropped, you know, like, you know, right after COVID. So it was just one of those things where, you know, you just happen to be that movie at that time. And I do feel the same thing with Amazon Prime. I feel like with Candy Cane Lane, like we really need a comedy Christmas family movie right now. We just, we just do, you know, we just, you know, it's funny enough that the little kids got something. There's jokes for the little kids. There's jokes for the teens. There's some good adult jokes. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just something for everybody. And it's like, you know, ass is the biggest swear word in the movie, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And you got Christmas and you got some magic, you know? And it's like, you know, right now we kind of need this kind of movie, you know, where we just feel good about our family and we're appreciative and we got through a COVID and now we're, you know, i got through a strike and, you know, it's just uh It's just an interesting kind of time. So I really, I'm just proud to be in it. I get to work with Reggie again. And, you know, like my scenes, like, you know, we got conveyor belts and we're dealing with all the, the, you know, the animatronics of the the animals and shit, you know, the CGI. And it's like, took them three hours to set it up, but I knocked out all my work in like 20 minutes. It was just fantastic. So there's that.
0: And then, you know, we're going to do James.
1: Yeah, absolutely and gemstones got picked up for season four. We'll start that in uh, May or June of 2024. You know, it's going to be another nine episodes. My son's on there as well. So, you know, we usually average between, you know, four and six episodes a season. So at least half a season we're in there. And they kept saying that my son's got, you know, my son had a really good arc this season. If you watched, he had a really great arc. Um, and they were like, oh man, we got so much stuff. Like we got, they got a whole plan for him. It's kind of crazy. And, and they keep talking about they're going to put he and I in the same scene together for the first time. So we've been in scenes together, but never oh, in awesome, the man. scene. So they're talking about yeah. trying to have the two of us kind of like square off or do something like that kind of thing. Um, that's
0: awesome. But yeah, man. it's like, it's, it's a, like a you know, family it's affair a,
1: for the demonts. It's exactly that, you know, it's like, it was one of the greatest compliments is like Danny McBride, you know, we were sitting in the trailer and things like that. And he's like, I'm, you know, Danny's in the middle and, Kelton's getting his hair kind of bleached thing and I'm getting, getting my makeup on. And he like looks in the air and goes, man, I got two Dumonts in my show. He goes, that's, that's cool. (laughs) That's cool. And I'm like, it's no work. This is beyond cool. Are you fucking kidding me? You're Danny. Like I fucking (laughs) love you, dude. And the fact that you feel honored that we're both in your show, I'm like, you're, you're, you're amazing. But I'm like this, you're right. This is just, you know, we spend father's day on set. Like it's just like, like, you know, it's been, it's been a joy, you know? So, and I hope it just goes forever. It just runs and runs
0: and runs. So yeah, that's I what's do. up. Yeah, man. It's been awesome, James. Thanks so much for taking the time. Blues Brothers. Could you imagine your first credit being Blues Brothers? That's so cool. What a cool story. Just how he got on that. And just think about how many credits we covered that he was in. I thought it was really neat, his uh, story about Deepwater Horizon, how since he was working in oil, his character that they said, hey, let's go You know, have you really check it out. I think it's really cool when films do that because uh, it really puts you into the role. And, uh, yeah, he's a he's a Louisiana guy now. It's cool that he gets to act with this kid. I'm really I'm really excited for the next season of uh Righteous G- Gemstones. And it's really cool that uh yeah. <laughs> his story. Man, I got two Dumonts on my show when uh Danny McBride says it. And he's like, dude, you're Danny McBride. This is really cool. <laughs> oh man, great, great stuff. So your homework, Jurassic World. I haven't looked it up. I'll do it right now while I'm talking. uh, Where you can watch it, I'm sure it's got to be on some streaming service. With it being such a big movie, oh yeah, you can watch it. It's on it's on HBO Max. So if you have HBO Max, you're good. If not, it's like four bucks. I'm sure you've seen it before. Me and Jamie will make sure we lay down. Uh, If you haven't seen it in a while, we'll take care of it. We'll we'll let you know. We'll help visualize it while we describe Chris Pratt Pratt and uh, Bryce Dallas Howard talking to dinosaurs. Yeah, Chris Pratt communicates with dinosaurs in this one lots of fun so don't forget to review rate share our podcast follow us on all social media at sequels only and don't forget to check out our website sequelsonly.com good night good night good night guys